As we begin, I'd ask you, if you would, engage your imagination with me just for a minute, if you would. Imagine you go to the doctor for a checkup. And you go to the doctor and they come out, you know, after you've done the physical, and they look at you and they say, I'm impressed. You are in great physical condition. You have the body of an Olympian. You should be applauded. And you go, yeah, I'm doing really good, right? And then later that day, you're walking up the steps and your heart gives out. And you end up in the hospital and you find out your arteries are clogged and you're just like one jelly donut away from eating your maker. What do you do? You're like me, you're going to pick up the phone or you're going to go to your doctor's office and say, what the heck? I thought you said I was in great shape. Well, he says, I knew you really weren't in great shape. Your body was more like the Pillsbury Doughboy than Adonis. But I don't like to tell people that stuff because they don't like to hear it. In fact, they don't like me when I tell them that. They, they don't come around. It's not really good for business. And so I like them to feel loved and accepted. What do you say? No, 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 no. When it comes to my health, I want to know the truth. So why is it when we go to church and we hear, we hear messages on evil and sin and the devil and pain and suffering, we're going, not today. I don't want to hear that stuff today. I, I got a tough enough life the way it is. I want to hear all the good stuff. Don't remind me about this stuff. Just tell me all the good stuff. You kind of get where I'm going, right? See, I, we understand it's not pleasant that these things sound terrible, and it's not popular. But God's Word has some very stern warnings for us when we ignore the truth. And this morning, we're going to look at one of those truths, and that's the truth of pain and suffering. And so we're going to begin by looking at the truth about pain and suffering. Because there are a lot of lies out there. There are a lot of misinformation out there about pain and suffering. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to look at the promise in pain and suffering. There's a promise that God gives us. And the third thing is that the comfort that we can receive in our pain and our suffering. I'm going to look at the truth of God's word. Before we get there, I'd ask if you would bow your heads, pray with me as we begin. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you that you love us the way you love us. That you love us enough to show us how to live to teach us how to live, to remind us that we are yours, that we have peace with you. Even when our own minds in this world we live in would say differently. Father, we pray to you this morning, asking you by the power of your spirit to minister to us in this time, to mold us and shape us more into the image of your son. And I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart would be truly pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Our God, our redeemer, our rescuer. In Jesus' name. Amen. So the truth of suffering. The truth of suffering is you will suffer. There will be pain and suffering in this world. If you breathe breath, if you're a human being in this world, there will be pain and suffering. Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have trouble. But that's not the end. But take heart. Don't lose hope. For Jesus says, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the greatest enemy, that is death. Pain and suffering 
is not the final answer. In fact, Scripture goes on to tell us that even in pain and suffering that God can use that, and from that, good can come. And so we get our foolishness from Scripture that says our pain is not fruitless. God can work through our pain and our suffering. But in our culture, we're in a culture that says avoid pain and suffering at all cost. Now, hear me, I'm not saying in either Scripture that we should go looking for opportunities to suffer. But in this life, if you live long enough, it will find you. And when it does, the way through it is not by avoiding it. But we live in a culture that says avoid it. And so we try to avoid it, and we do so by maybe avoiding meaningful relationships. Because, you know, we've been hurt before. People have let us down. They've betrayed us. And so we sort of wall ourselves off. And we won't be vulnerable with other people because we know what could happen. And we know that we could lose people that we love. And so we sort of wall ourselves off and we avoid the pain and suffering that could bring us joy because of fear of the pain and suffering. Or what we try to do is we numb the pain with alcohol or drugs to avoid the suffering. Or maybe we just avoid people who are in pain, people who are suffering, because we think maybe if we're around them, we're reminded of our own situation, and the last thing I want to do is be reminded, because I'm trying to avoid it, so I'm going to avoid you. Nothing against you, I just don't want anything to do with you. And in the, in the, in the process of doing that, we cause them to suffer even more, feeling rejected. Avoidance can also take another form, and that's denial. We can deny that our own feelings are important, so that when we harm ourselves or we harm or others do harm to us, we don't suffer the pain. We, we trick ourselves into thinking, well, what I'm feeling, it's not important. I should just go on. Or we deny it by denying humanity in others so that we don't feel guilty when we hurt them. We don't feel shame when we hurt others. Or we can go so far as to say we deny, we deny life is real, life itself is real, in an effort to try and avoid the aches and pains that come with just living. Avoidance is the path our culture teaches us, but that is not a biblical truth. The late priest Thomas Merton tells us this about suffering. He says, the more you try to avoid suffering, the more you suffer, because smaller and more insignificant things begin to torture you in proportion to the fear of being hurt. The one who does most to avoid suffering is, in the end, the one who suffers most. Avoidance is not a path through or around suffering that helps us. And the culture that we live in has this understanding that suffering is strange, that we, we struggle with this, why, does bad, why do bad things happen to good people? You yourself may have said that. You've heard that in our culture. Why do bad things happen to good people? Shouldn't bad things happen to bad people? Right? That's, who bad, that's why bad things are invented, for bad people. But Scripture teaches us that there's only one person that's good, and that's God himself. And so the question ought to be, why does good things, 
Why do good things happen to bad people? But there are some in our culture, there are some in our midst that actually thrive and excel through suffering. There's one such story, his name is Dean Otto. He's a software salesman, and he says as a result of his pain and suffering, I wouldn't change a thing. See, he was a long-distance runner. At age 52, he used to run marathons all the time, and one day he was out for a bike ride when he was run over by a, by a young man in a car. A young man named Will Hoffman ran over him. He, so he was trying to see through his foggy windshield. And as running over him, the result of that crushed Dean's spine. Broke his pelvis, his leg, his arm, his ribs. Doctor told him, Dean, there's a 2% chance that you'll walk again, let alone run. And he looked at the doctor and he says, Doc, he says, that's not happening. I'm going to run again. And in fact, I'm going to run a half marathon, and when I do, I'm kicking your butt when I do it. And so for the next year, he rehabilitated, and he and Will McGirt, the doctor, trained. And a year from his accident, ran the half marathon, which Dean did win, and 60 sec or 30 seconds under the time he set for himself of two hours. And this picture is a picture of Dean in the middle and Dr. Will McGirt on the right. But they ran the race with a third man. His name's Will Hoffman, the young man that ran him over. See, during that year, he became friends with Will Hoffman and forgave him. And he says, as a result of all of this, I wouldn't change a thing. I'm just part of a plan. I'm doing what is put in front of me. I found out how many people love me lying in that hospital room. Because you don't get to see that in life. You might get that kind of crowd at your funeral, but you're dead and you won't hear it. He saw that good came through his pain and suffering. As Christians, we get that. Because we ourselves maybe have been through the same kind of thing, maybe not exactly, but similar. We've been through it and we've seen good come from it. And God is true to his word that good can come from our pain and suffering. And so we get that. But we also get that we have to be careful how we answer these questions about pain and suffering because there's a lot of mistruth out there. And one of the questions we need to avoid is why. Not the why of why does pain and suffering happen. Scripture's clear. The reason it happens is because we live in a fallen, sinful, broken world, and we are fallen, sinful, broken people. That is why pain and suffering happens. But the, the answer we have to avoid trying to stay away from is, why is it that your dad died and mine didn't? Why is it that my friend died of cancer and your friend was healed? We need to steer clear of that answer because the Bible is silent. Now, we may get a glimpse of why someone suffered and the good that could come through it, but we have no clue what God is doing in that moment and how he can use that pain and suffering, maybe not only in this life, but lives to come. And so we have to steer clear in giving trite answers in these situations. But the Bible is not silent on pain and suffering. We know that God is not the cause of pain and suffering. God did not give my friend cancer. He did not give my dad dementia. But God can bring good through it. And God gives us a promise in our pain and suffering. Paul puts it this way in Romans. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, 
through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. We boast in the hope of our glory of God, not only so, but also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. A hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Let me give you some context for this. Previous four chapters in Romans, Paul is telling us the bad news of the gospel. He's telling us and everyone who will listen just how sinful and fallen and broken we are. He's saying to everybody, no one is righteous, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's what the therefore is there for. But because of what Jesus has done, now we can truly appreciate the good news of the gospel. We have to hear the bad news in order to understand the depth and the gravity of the gospel and just how sweet it is to our ears. And he says, because of what Jesus has done, because of what he has done, you have peace with God. Not because of your righteousness, but because of what Jesus has done, you have peace with God. You want to hear more about that? Go back and listen to last week's message, Pastor Dan. We stand forgiven. We have peace. And to truly appreciate that peace, we need to understand the truth of our sinful nature. But we have peace with God. And because we have peace, we can glory in his work, but also in our current position as forgiven, as clean, at peace with God. We can glory in that. We can rejoice in that. But not only when things are good, but also when we suffer, when there's pain and suffering, we can have glory in our pain and suffering. How is that? See, oftentimes one of the lies we hear about pain and suffering is the reason you're in suffering, the reason you have pain right now is because God has rejected you. You must have done something to cause God to reject you, to let you fall. He's testing you. So that's why you're suffering. You need to get right with God. But it tells us we're already right with God. That our suffering, our pain is not a sign that God has rejected us. It's a sign that we're human. And that we live in a sinful, fallen, broken world. And so in our pain and suffering, we can persevere knowing we have not been rejected. That God does love us. And that he can work good through this circumstance. And because we persevere... He refines our character. And we have a better understanding of his character through that. And as a result, our hope increases. And our hope grows. And we share that hope with anyone who asks the reason for the hope that we have. Because we have peace with God. And he goes on to tell us that in your pain and suffering, in your good times, in your life, the promise of God is that you are not alone. That his spirit lives in you. Regardless of what the world says, regardless of that little voice in your head, you are not alone. You are loved. He has put his spirit in you. Johnny Erickson Tata, 
for those of you that don't know her, is a woman who spent the most of her life in a wheelchair. As a young woman at the age 17, she suffered an accident, a diving accident, where she became a quadriplegic, paralyzed from the shoulders down. And in this book, a step further, she explains the agony that she went through, the questioning that she had of God is, why me? Why me, a Christian woman? Why is it that I would have this accident? What good could come from this? She also explains in this book the story of a young woman named Denise Walters. Denise was a 17-year-old young girl who one day was running up the stairs at high school, stumbled up the stairs, Later that day, her legs got really weak. She came home, took a nap, got up for dinner, discovered she was paralyzed from the waist down. Short time later, she was paralyzed from the neck down and was blind. She suffered from a rare form of progressive multiple sclerosis. And she was confined to a rehabilitation center, the same rehabilitation center as Johnny Erickson Tata. And while there, her friends her roommates could talk to her every now and then and could communicate with her and could see that she was hearing them. But over time, fewer and fewer people came to visit Denise until it was just her mother that came. And Denise, she said, and her mother were Christians, so every night her mother would come and she would read scripture and pray with her, da pray with her daughter Denise. And she did that for eight years. And then Denise died. Johnny recounts that when she died, it wrecked her. Because over those years, she had come to see that God could use her pain and suffering, that people that witnessed her suffering and how she persevered through it could be a witness to the love of God. But here's a young woman, she said, who no one saw. What good could come from that? She was alone. And she's told that to a couple of friends one night. And her one friend said, Johnny, I don't think you see that correctly. And they opened the Bible and they took her to uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 10, where it says, angels in heaven rejoice at the repentance of one sinner. And Ephesians 3.10, that says, God teaches the heavenly realms his wisdom through the acts of the church. How we treat one another, how we persevere through suffering is a witness to the heavenly realms. They said, Johnny, there are a great many people that have witnessed her suffering. And it has not gone unnoticed. And she said, I got it. She says, I lit up. So her life wasn't a waste. I reasoned. Someone was watching her in that lonely hospital room, a great many someones. See, we think that this is all there is sometimes. We get confused. And we need to remember that there are a great many someones watching. And God can use your pain, your suffering, to witness to the heavenly realms. Not only to the people around you. You are not alone. But there's a story even greater still. A story of immense pain and suffering. A story of a man some 20 centuries ago who was crucified on a Roman cross, not for his sins, but for ours, for my sin. He was crucified on that tree for me and for you. Even though he was without sin, 
He went to the cross willingly to pay for our sin. You know, the Bible tells us that God does not cause us to suffer, yet for one man, himself. He caused his son to suffer for our benefit. Scripture says that he was despised and rejected by us. He was a man of suffering, familiar with pain, but he did so for our benefit. He was pierced for our sins, crushed for our sins. The punishment that was deserving us, God put on him. And by his wounds, we have been healed. Not will be, are healed. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ has done. What a remarkable story. But we know it doesn't end there. Right? Because three days later, he raised him from the dead. He raised him from the dead to prove he is God. To show his power over sin, over suffering, over death. And he defeated death. And he took the pain that none of us will have to take that believe in him. That separation from God. So that we could have peace with God. So that we could be justified before God. And so we, like Paul, knowing as people look at this cross and say, how could anything good come from that? We know and we could say that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. In all things. In our pain and in our suffering. Our pain and suffering is not fruitless. But we do know that the world looks upon that cross and says that's just foolishness, that somebody could die for my sins. But for those who believe in him, it is the power of God to see us through our pain and our suffering, to see us through this life with the assurance of the life to come. Because Jesus was resurrected, those who believe in him too will be resurrected to a new life without pain, without suffering, without death. That is the promise with which we live in today. You are not alone. You have a God who can comfort you in the midst of your trials because he himself has experienced every kind of pain, every kind of temptation, and he can empathize with your needs. You know, there was a young man, his name was Nabil Karishi. He grew up Muslim in New Jersey. And it was in his 20s where he started investigating the claims of Christianity. But he first started investigating the claims of Islam and the teachings of Muhammad. And as he did the investigation, he came to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God revealed to him the truth of Jesus and the foolishness of the cross. And in his book, No God But One, he talks about that struggle. But he also talks about in this book a conversation he had with another young Muslim woman. He was out in California at a conference when a friend of his called him and said, Nabil, I need you to speak to this young woman. She's having the same questions you used to have. Could you talk to her? And so he goes and he talks to her. Her name was Sahar. And Sahar said, Nabil, I understand what you say about Christianity. The, the Quran teaches that Jesus lived on this earth, but we cannot believe that he would become a man, to put himself through that. How could he 
be born of a woman and go through the birth canal or even go to the bathroom as a man? How would he degrade himself such? I cannot believe that. And he said, Sahara, I understand. I've had the same reservations. But let me ask you this question. You're on your way to the fanciest ceremony you've ever been to in your life, and you, have been, you are supremely dressed. And as you're just about to arrive to the ceremony on time, you see over to your left your daughter drowning in a mud puddle. What do you do? Do you go on to the ceremony and arrive with dignity? Or do you dive into the mud pit to save your daughter arriving to the ceremony full of mud? She's like, well, I jump into the mud pit, of course, to save my daughter. I'll go to the ceremony dirty. He says, okay, let's take it this way. Say you're going along and you have friends with you. Would you send one of them in instead to preserve your dignity, or would you still jump in? Well, no, I would jump in. They would not care for my daughter the way that I would care for my daughter. I would still go to the ceremony dirty. He said, Sahar, if you, a human, a mother, love your child that much that you're willing to put aside your dignity for her life, how much more would your heavenly Father, if he is that, put aside his glory for your life? And she thought about that for a moment and said, thank you, and they parted company. He says two days later, he got a phone call from the same woman that introduced him to Sahar and said, hey, you need to come meet this young woman who used to be a Muslim and is now Christian. And when he got to dinner, it was Sahar. And he's like, oh my goodness. And he sat down with her and the other woman and they sort of mapped out what was going to happen and what to expect going forward. See, Nabil had been comforted by the love of Jesus Christ and now he himself is comforting this young woman because he knew what it was like to turn his back on Islam. What that meant for his relationship with his parents and his family and his community. He knew the pain of being ostracized but he also knew the love and the comfort that he would get from Jesus Christ and the church. And so he was giving to her what he himself had received. And he knew exactly what Paul said was true. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. The comfort that he received, he gave to someone else. God longs to do that for you. The other good news is that this past year, Nabil lost his life to stomach cancer. And during that whole time, he blogged, a video blog, sharing with anyone who would listen the love and the peace and the hope that he had in Jesus Christ. And today he stands in the presence of our Lord, experiencing true peace, true love, and true healing. And he would say to each of us, go to God with your suffering, go to God with your pain, experience the comfort and the peace that you have with your Lord. He has not let you down. He has not rejected you. Now, I know some of you here this morning, life's good. 
you like your life right now. There isn't any pain and suffering. And it's like, so, yeah, thanks and great. But let me give you a warning. Do not forget the truth about pain and suffering. In this world, there will be trouble. So spend the rest of your life every day being reminded of the peace that you have with God through Jesus Christ so that you do not forget whose you are. So that when your circumstances change, so that when you find yourself in pain and suffering, that your life is not undone as you listen to the lies about your pain and suffering, that you are reminded of the peace you have with God. But maybe you're here this morning and you're kind of like Johnny when you're looking at your friend and thinking, I'm all alone in this. And no one sees what I'm going through. I'm just lonely. Be reminded that there are great many someones watching today. And there are great many someones around you today who have walked down the road that you're currently walking and they've come out the other side and they would love to walk alongside you and help you navigate this road. To remind you of the hope that you have that this is not God's judgment upon you. Allow God to comfort you through his people. Finally, maybe you're like Nabil. You've experienced the comfort and love of God. There are many people right here today who are suffering and in pain. Look for opportunities to share the comfort and comfort others with the comfort you yourself have received. And allow God to strengthen your character and increase your hope as you walk alongside someone else, helping them to one day do the same for others. Our pain is not fruitless. The truth is that there will be trouble in this life, but take heart, God has overcome the world. And we know that in all things he can work for good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And he longs to comfort you with his love so that you know the deepest part of your heart that you are at peace with God and that you are loved and that your pain and your suffering is not in vain. It is not fruitless. It is not. Amen.